Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we have another remarkable story for you. As you know, just as there are various forms of cancer, there are also various forms of brain cancer. The one we're going to hear about today is called astrocytoma, which is a growth of cells that starts in the brain and spinal cord. Our guest today was diagnosed just over a year ago with stage 4 astrocytoma, which has a survival rate of 12 to 18 months. The good news is our guest is now cancer-free. And joining us from Texas to tell his story is Doug Gibbons and his wife, Jenny. Thanks for doing this, guys. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. Doug, how does it feel to be cancer-free after what you've gone through? Um, you know, I've never thought about it that way. I just really take it day by day and blessed to, you know, tomorrow's better than uh, yesterday. So, Yeah, that's great. You know, I was looking up astrocytoma, and uh, it said some of the symptoms include drowsiness, headaches, cognitive and personality changes, poor communication, seizures, delirium, confusion and difficulty thinking, focal neurological symptoms, and dysphagia. Did you have any of those? So right before I had my seizure, which led me to find this, leading up to it, um, I had a little bit uh, difficulty thinking and speaking. Just, you know, I remember uh, just various conversations. I was, you know, losing, losing my words or couldn't find the word I was trying to convey. You know, it took a mm-hmm. little bit. To get it out. So um, I remember that. And then two weeks later, I had a seizure, you know, and um, and then three days later, I had uh, I had surgery to remove the tumor. Jenny, did you have any idea that, that something was wrong with Doug? I didn't. He actually um, complained of headaches for a couple of months prior to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a high stress job, so really kind of nothing out of the ordinary from the, you know, standard American way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, until the day he called me and couldn't feel the right side of his body at work there, I would have never thought. Wow. So you didn't, you wow. didn't see any personality changes in him, in him or anything like that? I did not. No, he was, um, honestly, he was always stressed with work. So I don't. I don't know if I would have thought it was anything different than <laughs> just, just as miserable the normal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so you. Have a, so um, he's the same yeah. guy you same guy you fell in love with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> same one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Happy. So here. you had this seizure, and that was your first idea that something was going on. Yep. Yep. Doug, when yeah. when was that? What uh, what was the date of that? Was it last November, year? November. Uh, yeah. So November of 2022. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how did you 
react when they told you you had this uh, this brain cancer? I was, you know, we were in there together, and we were both taken taken back, like, you know, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How? Why? You know, all the all the usual, you know, all the usual questions. What was your thought? What went through your mind when you when you're told this? Because obviously, you've just been blindsided. What goes through your minds? Well, you know, the first thing that, you know, went through my mind was we got two options. I could leave it in there and uh, basically pass with it or get it out. Get it out. I wanted it out as fast as we could get it out. Mm -hmm. There wasn't even a question in my mind. It was how fast can we get it out? And, you know, what? what? I actually used to work in clinical research. Oh, and so I was um, 10 years ago, I worked in clinical research and was actually on the neuro uh, team. And so I knew a lot of stuff that he didn't um, when they said those words in that room with us. And so I just remember being crushed. But then also a lot's happened since 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, we've learned a lot. There's, you know, we actually have, you know, learned a lot um, holistically when we were trying actually to get pregnant back in the day. Um, kind of switched more from Western to a mix of things and getting healthier. So on one hand, I had, you know, my past experiences with research and the awful diagnosis that he received, but then, you know, decided that wasn't going to be us. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting attitude you took because yeah. I can just imagine that when you're given this, uh, news that you've got a brain tumor, uh, it doesn't look good that uh, it brings life into perspective. And mm -hmm. first of all, I imagine it scares the hell out of you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you, yeah. sorry, go ahead, Jenny. Oh, no, I was saying we couldn't have done it without our village. Yeah. So we have three young kids and neighbors swooped in and took them for a week and let us kind of process. And Oh, that's great. So you underwent surgery. Take us through that whole procedure that uh, you you went through to, to start to get rid of this. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> doesn't remember much. <laughs> I don't really have any uh, memory of that. Um, but I do. She does. <laughs> go for it, Jenny. Okay. So Jenny. yes. So I'll go. I'll go for it. Uh, yeah. So he was taken into surgery. Um, I actually he had surgery at the hospital that I work at which helped expedite, number one, his surgery. And number two, I had communication throughout it with a bunch of nurses that I knew um, who would come out and let me know how it was going. Um, the, the good news was that the tumor was um, on top. And so it had not infiltrated yet. Um, they said most men, when they have a seizure, will just let it go and chalk it up to being stressed. They said, thank goodness he came in because if he didn't, it would have started infiltrating. So it was, um, so that was on our side. It was, you know, on top of his brain, but when they were, um, closing him back up, he had another seizure. And so, um, they had to intubate him, um, to try to close him back up and get his, you know, everything to calm down. So that was very unexpected. Um, and then also they sent off, um, slides to be, um, for biopsy, like a, just a quick biopsy right when he had it. Um, so when he was willed to ICU, they came out and told me that it was high grade. Um, 
which was devastating. And I mean, I work with these people as well. So, I mean, we were all like the whole waiting room was packed and we were all, you know, crying and pretty upset. But then also, you know, I had to dry my tears and then go see my husband who was on a vent, which was very unexpected. Um, normally, most just get wheeled to ICU and they're, you know, kind of obviously groggy, but they're there. And so it was kind of a wait and see game is what I was told is if, um, you know, when he wakes up, I mean, there's not always a guarantee. They, I mean, they believed he was going to wake up. It's just never guaranteed. And then if he would have function of his right side. Um, mm-hmm. So for 24 hours, he was vented. Um, so I just laid with them for, for a day and then watched them go through, you know, taking someone off the vent is not um, anything that you're prepared for. But um, he came out, he did, all of the um, all the all the tests he passed with flying colors, and two hours later they had him walking down the hallway. It was absolutely incredible to see. So wow, two hours. Um, all of he worked, everything worked, <laughs> um, and yeah, he was walking. And then um, a day later, I think you got to move to a regular room for a few days. Yeah. Um. So and then. We were discharged and had to wait two weeks for the biopsy for the real results to be, you know, given to us. But, um, but yeah, it was, he doesn't really remember much of it and actually has not wanted to see pictures yet either. So still kind of fresh, you know, a year later. Yeah. So after you get these results, what's the next step? Yeah. So, um, I want did to, uh, you know, they presented us with um, options, you know, treatment options. Uh, Obviously, one of them was, you know, the first step was to remove it. And then, uh, and then uh, radiation and chemo. And then uh, while we got that going, we just started researching every possibility. I mean, Basically, nothing was off the table in our minds on, you know, how to tackle uh, this thing. And, uh, you know, we were looking, I mean, treatment fil- I mean, treatment facilities international around the globe. I mean, we were just, you know, didn't, not, like I said, nothing was off the table. We called people in Mexico. We called people, I don't even know in what islands of we're at on the globe, but you know, um, and then amongst us research, we came across you guys, um, you know, and it caught, um, you know, the natural side of what, um, y'all do was, you know, um, we felt that was one way to go for sure because, um, you know, we're big, big believers, um, you know, there's always something out there naturally that can heal heal your body. That's just you know how mm-hmm. how God you know how God made it. So um, we did a lot of going down that road, including you know changing the way we eat. Um, Jenny had already started getting chemicals out of the house way before all this came on, but you know it just shored up to get rid of whatever chemicals we had remaining. Um, for the inside. So, you know, we bought special filters for the water, you know, it's just all these things, whatever 
whatever we could control, whatever we could do to help ourselves, that's what we started going down that path in addition to, okay, you know, what's the best facility to get treatment at mm-hmm. at the same time. So, and, you know, it's um, what we settled on was basically uh, many things, you know. So, um, you know, obviously the cannabis oil, um, you know, things that we do in our diet that, you know, Chris Ward, um, we do a lot of the things that um, he suggests. So um, it's just kind of, we, we got a bucket load of, you know, things we do, you know, SEFT, you know, um, we, uh, there's this IP6 that we take to help boost immunity. Uh, we eat uh, less processed, well, we don't eat we don't any processed foods. We anymore. don't eat any processed sugars. Um, you know, 99% quit pork. We don't eat chicken. Um, and then we really scaled back on how much beef we eat, and we prefer to eat it in a natural state like ground elk, deer meat, or if we even can get a cow that um, has been head hand-fed, um, we go that route. So, and, you know, all these things, I think, contribute to the success of um, where we're at today. And when he was uh, first diagnosed as well, we did um, find out that two, two other guys in his age bracket um, from the same small region in Louisiana where we grew up mm-hmm. had the exact same thing. Um, so it's kind of like our world's been open to other uh, people with the same diagnosis. And I will tell you, we have, I mean, a handful there. It, it's strange because I kind of, with my research background, I kind of want to do a research study of where we grew up and it's all males in their forties being diagnosed. So it's just, it's kind of strange to me, but we reached out to them um, and all of them had gone plant-based. We have, um, one of them is 15 years out. The other one is 10 years out so far. Um, and so we learned from them kind of the diet and um, and took advice. So we've just pulled from all the resources that we have. And, and now, you know, we go from, I knew of a guy that had this. Mm-hmm. He was a great fisherman, fished on the bass, you know, professional level. And then one day, you know, he died and I was like, you know, brain cancer, you know, and um, that was the only thing I knew about brain cancer. And then after finding out, you know, now we know, unfortunately, we know a lot of people within our little circle of friends, knowing somebody else that, you know, has this. So it's, it's uh, definitely uh, more prevalent than what, um, what's known. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, there are so many environmental causes of cancer and uh, the medical profession seems to stick with genetics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that's, yeah. I mean, uh, you, if you, do if you research uh, some holistic doctors, they say genetics really is a very small percentage of this. It's That's the what crappy, we read. It, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, it's no the, different than um, saying diabetes is genetic because 
99% of it isn't, you know, yeah. it's what we eat. Mm-hmm. Doug, how old were you when you were diagnosed? 40. Two. Two. <laughs> 42. 43. Yeah. No, 43. 43. I'm 44 and I'll be 45 <laughs> this year. Yeah, so 43. Early 40s. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So It doesn't matter after 40. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Welcome to your 40s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Doug, you... Corey and I are looking forward... We're looking forward to that, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. You did a variety of treatments, just so listeners know. So you did some standard care treatments as well as the oil. Do you want to walk us through what you did there? Yeah, so um, we... You know, basically, I've got kind of a standard routine in the morning or, you know, throughout the day of all these over-the-counter type stuff that I take. And then, um, you know, I do, um, what is it, 1 cc or 10 cc's of the oil a day. When When I first started doing it, it was three times a day. And then as the scans got better and clearer and the healing you know, um, I'm at one time a day, um, whether I'm on, you know, I, I do chemo, um, on a 28 day cycle. So what that means is I take chemo for five days and then, um, 23 days of recovery. And then, you know, as we're, uh, cycling through, we're monitoring, checking my lab work and make sure, um, my body's sustaining, all the right levels and can handle uh, the chemo. So um, I just had blood work this morning. And uh, one of the, you know, indicators that they really watch is a uh, platelet count. And uh, my platelet count's been as high as it's ever been since this um, happened. So you're no evidence of disease, correct? Okay. Correct. Um, what is the reasoning behind continuing to do uh, chemo? Do they tell you? What do they call it? Mop-up chemo or something? Or what do, they, what do they say on that? They basically said, you know, we did the early on, I was doing um, a different type of, I was cycling it different. And this is, they said, okay. Basically, this takes care of the big mass, and this is the thing that everything left behind to make sure nothing reoccurs. And this is your best chance uh, to have to not have a reoccurrence. When you were actively fighting this cancer, what um, in its you know at, at the most uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the most active level. How much oil were you taking a day? Uh, three. So you were doing a gram three times a day, whatever. a gram divided over three doses. And so for listeners uh, who are curious, what he was doing was a multi-strain oil, four to one ratio, THC to CBD. So you were doing that morning, afternoon, evening. Is that correct? Thank you. Did you, uh, did you get buzzed at all? No. No. Were you a user previously? No. I mean, I've, 
you know, college days, but I don't use it recreationally now. Jenny's laughing at you. <laughs> no, Ian, she's laughing at you, actually. <laughs> you know, my, my work doesn't allow it. So, I, you okay. know, when I graduated college, those days stayed behind. So, yeah. Yeah, we, we always get uh, inquiries from people about the use of oil, and they want to know, uh, matter of fact, we had one the other day, Corey, person wanted to know, if I take it once a day by suppository, uh, why do I have to take it uh, once a day? And my comment to them was, um, if you take it once a day and, and lose it, by suppository, then uh, you don't have any oil in your body. You've got to keep you got to keep replenishing. It's like a, it's like a glass well, of water. You need right? a continual flow of cannabinoids coming in, kind of like an antibiotic. You don't want the whole peak valley peak valley thing going on. You want you That's want a right. continual onslaught of cannabinoids coming in. Doug, did your medical team know you were on cannabis? No. No. Mm-mm. And you sailed through the uh, the chemo. Yes. Yeah, we hear that a lot from people, don't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? So, how do you um, go? Go ahead. What do you think has been the most? We just challenging part. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. What What do you think has been the most challenging part of this whole journey? Oh, just. The emotional drain of really not knowing what tomorrow may bring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there for a while. We just stopped planning anything, you know. Um, we were too afraid, yeah. you know, just plan, plan anything that was six months out, you know. So, and then we'd get to six months and then, we'd, you know the anxiety or the fear for the next six months. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really, um, you know, really just kind of taking day by day and enjoying the day and looking forward to tomorrow. Do you remember the first, I think that, do you remember the first time that you got some indication that you were actually winning the battle? Um, You know, I, I I don't know because in my head, and this is kind of the way my approach is, uh, the game's not over, so we're, you know, we can't exactly chalk it up as a W. Uh, we're, we're in the lead, we're winning the game, but um, it's, you know, the buzzer hadn't sounded on it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of my approach. Um, that's kind of my reminder to keep doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and just kind of keeps me grounded on and really just um, appreciate life more, you know, just kind of keeps me better grounded and uh, not really take things for granted. Yeah. It certainly changes um, your perspective of life. Go ahead, Jenny. mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It definitely does. I think the, uh, yeah, I think the fear right now is still kind of always in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. Um, even though we've started planning things that aren't just a week, a, a week out, but it was interesting. Cause like 
I mean, every day you kind of think about it, like it might just go through your head, you know, once a day, like, oh, this is our life now. You know, it's it's just it's just different. But it's funny because the other night I was, you know, having a glass of wine. And um, and like he said earlier, he really doesn't drink much. Occasionally he'll celebrate something. But I was like, do you want one? And he was like, honestly, no, because if I wake up with a headache tomorrow, it brings all the fear back. And it's mm-hmm. something that I don't deal with, but he deals with. And so just knowing, you know, that we're both going through this at a, a completely different angle. And so it's, you know, um, just hearing things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, this is it's still here, you know, but. Well, the good news is, yeah, the good news is you're going through it together. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, you, Doug, you have the support of your wife and I'm sure others. And I think that's extremely valuable when you go through something mm-hmm. like this. And when you talk about scans, we've interviewed many, many people with, with brain tumors and they all go through this scanxiety prior to a scan. Mm-hmm. And uh, once the scan's over, they get the no evidence of disease, they start to relax. And it starts to build up for the next time. And, yep. uh, but I think you have encouragement in the, you know, the, the people you mentioned that, uh, from Louisiana who had the same thing mm-hmm. are now 10 and 15 years on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I expect us to interview you 10 years from now. And, Me too. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> but that time, Doug, you're in your fifties, buddy. I know. We'll we'll get that date down next time. (laughs) Yeah. At least I can be like, oh, well, I'm 10 years older now sitting here talking to you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Now, was it difficult to change your diet at all? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, Obviously, being from Louisiana, you know, you start with the uh, stick of butter and go from there. Um, you know, pulled pork sandwiches on Sunday afternoon for football or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just the, the amount of um, toxins that were being put in my body on a daily basis was just incredible, you know. And then so uh, all of a sudden you get just, I got to change and go cold turkey. Did you lose much weight? 30 pounds. 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. Well, that's nothing compared to some people we've interviewed, right, Corey? Some (laughs) people have lost 100, 150. Wow. One fellow lost 200 pounds just by changing the diet and... Just, and and it falls off too. I mean, it's, you know, I'm very seldom more exercise, um... That all was just not drinking and not eating meat every day mm-hmm. or processed foods or processed sugars. You know, all the all the stuff the FDA says doesn't harm you and all that, you know, I'm not going to go there in this. But, you know, we cut all that out that they say is good for you. So the government's telling you it's good. It's got to be bad. that's right exactly it's hard when you're raised on convenience food and then you know we're raising three small kids and they all have activities after school it's so much easier to just either go through a drive-thru or order something 
And so now it's, you know, we've learned to plan, you know, we plan for the week and it's just, it just takes a little more time, but good. How are you kids? But now when we, when we cheat, we get sick. So it's really not worth cheating. Yeah. How are your kids in dealing with the food transition? Actually, um, you know, they don't really mind the no meat thing. It's just whether they like the dish or not. So it's harder to find things for them that they like because we're obviously trying new things um, every day, uh, finding recipes we like, finding recipes we don't like, and then finding recipes they like. So mm-hmm. it is a bit of a challenge, but they've accepted the basis of it and, you know, kind of the rationale behind it is just, you know, finding things they, 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 um, they like. So, did they know yeah. their dad had brain cancer? Yes. Yeah. We were very um, open. We have twins that are nine and then a six-year-old. Um, and I mean, when it happened, you know, they, they stayed with neighbors for a week and, and different things. And we were open as possible. Um, you know, they technically don't know what brain cancer is or like, mm-hmm. you know, what the normal uh, diagnosis means. But um, we're definitely open and we have we actually have other friends that have cancer right now, too, with kids the same age that are friends. Um, it's, you know, becoming more prevalent and I just it's kind of part of the whole healing process. Yeah, I think uh, this is a wonderful story. I love stories like this because people assume that if you have brain cancer, that uh, there's no hope. I mean, even. You know, looking up astrocytoma the other night, and it said there's no cure for it. Well, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, there is a cure for it, um, but it's a cure that uh, the main mainstream medicine is not accepting of. And well, they can't profit off of it. Exactly. Yeah, you said it, so that's good. Um, <laughs> it takes work. It takes work on your part. You can't just ask the doctor what to do. You have to take your health in your own absolutely. hands. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's it's harder than just going to take chemo. It's it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. It's you know, nobody's it, interested in, in doing um, studies that they can't profit mm-hmm. off of. So yeah. that's why you never, you know, whether, you know, they, they tell you all the time, well, there's no data that supports that. Well, there's no data that supports y'all trying to do that. So you can't really go against that when you don't have, you didn't even try. Yeah. And I think Jenny said, said it very succinctly that uh, you have to take your own health into your own hands. Mm-hmm. And most people don't want to do that because it requires a little work. Mm-hmm. And for yep. some people, it cr- requires a lot of work. But once you do it, you feel so much better. Yeah. And you, Doug, are a perfect example of that. Jenny, when you went on this diet, did you lose weight at all? Um, yes and no. Um, I think I, I, yeah, I trimmed up. I don't really ever actually get on the scale, to be honest. Um, but my clothes fit better. So I guess the answer is yes. I just don't ever focus on weight. But before we went on the diet, he had just started blood pressure medicine. Um, his blood pressure was extremely high daily. Um, and so 
I mean, it's perfect now, but yeah, all my labs are perfect. Every time I go, my sugar used to be high. Mm. Um, I had lab work, you know, just like a physical the other day. It's perfect. Um, so yeah, everything fits good. <laughs> Do you know what you guys should be proud of what yeah. you've done? And I think uh, it's a very exciting story when someone has brain cancer and they've uh, they've conquered it, mm-hmm. at least until the next scan. But I think you know you <laughs> will, you will go through that and you'll get no evidence of disease, NED, for many many years. And uh, I think you're you're on the right track. You're doing all the right things and. Uh, we're we're very happy for you, and you should be proud of yourself. Thanks very much for doing this. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.